Well, that's the kind of culture we live in, an everything now culture, and it can be overwhelming when you sense this need to own more and do more and move faster and faster and faster, but the problem is it creates stressed out, worried people. And today we're looking at how we can be wiser about being productive and even being better people even as we accomplish what God has put on our hearts. So we're going to do a test. You want to do a test? Yeah. All right, let's do a test, okay? Let's uh, add up your points and see what you score. This is a test to objectively see your current level of stress and worry caused by moving too fast. All right, here's the first question. So keep track. If you often worry you won't get it all done that day, add 10 points. All right? If you wake up in the morning feeling refreshed, subtract 15 points. If you often say to yourself, I can't believe what time it is, add 20 points. If you have to clear out the passenger seat of your car for someone to sit down, <laughs> add 15 points. If you have a hobby that you enjoy, subtract 15 points. If you have ever stared at your roommate or family members through the tines of a fork and pretended they were in prison, <laughs> add 25 points. Okay, last one. When in traffic, if you mentally mark cars to see whose lane wins or find yourself honking, waving, or directing others with your middle finger, yet still believe you live a relatively stressed-free life, then you're in denial. Actually, if you could, kept track of the score, you may be a little too stressed. All right? In this test, we're all losers. <laughs> we live in a world that is pressuring us to get more done. The world screams at us, work harder, stay busier, do more, hurry, faster, faster. But the damage that it's doing in our lives, in our spiritual lives, in our relationships, can become more and more obvious if we just pause long enough to see it. And I want to acknowledge, or maybe some of you here, this idea of talking about productivity makes you feel guilty. Already, there's some resistance in your heart. But I want to talk about a different view, a, a countercultural view, something that God has on his heart, that true success isn't about faster, 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 and having everything now. It's about accomplishing what God has for us to accomplishing and accomplishing it with him. Now, I have to tell you, this is a, a struggle in my life. I, I'm a recovering workaholic. And 10 years ago, I was in a terrible spot, realizing I was just all out of whack in terms of time management and who I was investing in and how I was investing my time. And I've tried to be very intentional over the years, whether it's reading books or, or, or trying to adjust time management, all of these things. And I can tell you that as I've begun to take even my calendar and accomplishment and put it under my relationship with God and allow him to guide me, I've actually begun to experience being productive and less and less worry, less and less stress. Now, I'm not perfect. I'm still making progress, I still disappoint people all the time. But I can tell you there are certain things that if you were to rearrange, reprioritize, that you can actually begin to experience more of this peace that God has for us. I want you to think about what you're hoping to accomplish this year. I want you to then consider, have you taken that dream, that goal, and actually asked God if it is in line with what he has for you this year. What God wants for us 
is beautiful, and we can accomplish it with his help. But some of us are going down the wrong track. We're trying to accomplish things that we aren't meant to accomplish. And part of our hope today is that you'll begin to discover more and more what it is that God has for you. Now, it's important to notice that productivity is good. Actually, in Genesis, the first book in the scriptures, God created, and it was good. And he created us in his image. We were created by God, the creator, to be creative. That he designed us to, to, to take good care and to create along with him, to be co-laborers with him. But the scriptures, the Proverbs, they warn us against the opposite. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 10. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. Or Proverbs 13. Lazy people want much, but get little, but those who work hard will prosper. See, work and productivity are good. Honoring God with our goals and working hard, being diligent. The scriptures are, are trying to warn us there's, there's a couple of ways we can go. We can work too hard or we can binge on Netflix too much. Neither are productive. But actually to instead align our calendars and our hearts and our activities with God's design. But here's another warning from the scriptures. Proverbs 6. How long will you lie there hitting snooze? That's from the original Hebrew. <laughs> actually, we added that. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. The scriptures are warning us. Now, it's interesting where we get the word professional. Looked it up in a dictionary. See if this is helpful. The word professional means having a particular profession. Isn't the dictionary helpful? <laughs> but it's this idea of a, of a, of a career, but the term actually comes from the 16th century. There was a reformer named Martin Luther. And Martin Luther and, and church leaders wanted to reform the church to reflect what the scriptures said. They actually lived in a time where priests did not read the Bible. The people who came to a church service had no access to the Bible. And so they brought about this revolution, this reformation of taking your life and putting it in line with the scriptures. And so Martin Luther believed following Jesus needed to impact every area, including our work life. So this idea of a professional is someone who works as a profession of their faith. So what you believe about God actually so transforms you, so affects you that it actually affects how you treat the people where you work and even how much work you get done. It's all in the context of your relationship with God. Being a professional is someone who has a profession of faith in how they work. Now, interesting little side note, this is the weekend in which we honor Dr. King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. You may not know this, but he was actually born Michael King Jr. His father was a Baptist pastor in the 1930s. He went to Germany, and Michael King Sr. came back so impressed with the reformer of Martin Luther that he changed his name and his five-year-old son's name to Martin Luther King Jr. One reformer named after another. But the interesting thing is, in our history as a, as a nation, this biblical value of working hard 
has made us a productive nation, but that's not really what we talk about much anymore. We're starting to lose that value. You don't hear much about the value of diligence or hard work. Instead, we hear about the four-hour work week or passive income or how to make millions quickly. And I've seen people get hurt trying to short-circuit this idea of working hard. Listen to Proverbs 21. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. A fortune made by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a deadly snare. See, not only is get-rich-quick schemes harmful, but so is cutting corners, ethical corners to get rich. Instead, we need to see our productivity as valuable, as a way to honor God and the gifts that he's given us and the freedom that he's given us. When we begin to work serving the one who created us, when we begin to co-labor with him, it changes our perspective. And so I want to walk you through four P's of productivity. Doesn't that sound like a productive way to spend our morning together? Well, here's the first one. It's the word priorities. And this is a hard one. Learning how to say no even to good things, multiple good things. That's the hardest part of productivity. Now, here's the catch. I'm going to teach you something that might blow your mind. You are a human being. You are finite. <laughs> you cannot get everything done. Does that make you feel better? See, we are not God. And God is not asking us to get everything done. He's asking us to trust him. And what's amazing is we connect our heart to God's heart. He actually helps us know when to say no. Even to say no to good things and opportunities that are in front of us. Even Jesus, who was God, walking in a human form. He had to sleep. He had to eat. And there were times where he would bring healing. And there were other times that he would get away to be with his father. To reconnect. See, there were people searching for Jesus at one point, And they found him early in the morning. And look what happens in Luke 4. And they tried to keep him from leaving them. But Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. Imagine how hard it must have been for Jesus to say no to all the needs that were around him. And yet ultimately he was saying yes to God's calling for his life that would actually help the most people. Jesus knew God's purpose and priorities for his short three and a half year ministry. And that's what I'm trying to learn. If you don't spend time with God praying and reflecting on who God created you to be and what he's put you here to do, then you're gonna say yes to too many things. So I want you to start a new practice perhaps. It, take a day and just begin to pray about the priorities you should have for this year. Or, or take an afternoon to pray about the priorities you should have for this month or take half an hour, 15 minutes to pray about the priorities you should have for this day. And, and as you're praying, ask yourself this, two questions. What do I value most? What's most important? Or this one, 10 years from now, what do I wanna be true of me spiritually, relationally, and physically? Here's something I have learned. If you don't prioritize for yourself, other people will prioritize for you. Now, let me walk through these three. Spiritual priorities. Where will you be with God a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? 
Here's how you can tell if you're in a good place with God. See, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the fruit of being connected with God is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Are these the adjectives that the people that you work with describe you as? Are these the adjectives that your family members use to describe you? If not, there's room to grow. Because the closer we get to God, the more that we actually bear this kind of fruit. See, the problem is that you and I can accomplish a whole lot of things and miss out on what God has actually created us to do. And our relationship with God is just like any other relationship. In our relationship with God, we will naturally drift away from him. We have to be intentional and prioritize time with him. Spending time, as Tamara mentioned, this reading of the scriptures on a daily basis, or, or making coming on Sundays a priority every single week, or, or maybe going to that next level and, and connecting to serve others with others, or maybe you're ready in this new year to jump into our recovery group or into Alpha or Financial Peace University, which starts next week. These are opportunities for you to jump in. Uh, we even have new life groups. By the way, if you think, you know, I'm just too busy for a life group. I have one I know you're not busy during. It's at 6 a.m. on Wednesday morning. <laughs> it's a new men's group. Free coffee. Uh, we couldn't do it without the coffee. But there are opportunities that, that being intentional on your own and in community can actually take you to a whole new place. But it requires being intentional and prioritizing. Ephesians 2 reminds us of this beautiful promise we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Think about that for a moment. God has ideas of things he wants to do with you in this world, to bring more faith and love and hope to this broken and messed up world. He's inviting you and me to co-labor with him. And, and the beautiful thing is that he wants us to accomplish his will for our life even more than we do. He will guide us in the process. Listen to this. Trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3. With all your heart, do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't you sometimes wish that God would just tell you what to do? <laughs> A resounding yes. If only there was an email from God every Monday to say, here's what I want you to do this week. That's right. Well, here's the catch. The reason that God doesn't make it clear is because he knows we would go off and try to do it without him. But instead, he created us for a relationship. It's in the journey of our relationship with God that he slowly reveals to us more and more of what he has for us. Now, here's the amazing thing. You are in a room with people, some of whom have just started walking with God. Some have been walking with God for years. And, that, and we can tell you, those of us that have been doing this for a while, we would never have imagined 10 years ago, 20 years ago, where we are now. And in fact, if God had told us, I want you to do this over the next 10, 20 years, we probably would have freaked out. He slowly has led us one step after another, one sacrifice after another, to finally be in a place where we could never have gone without trusting him, without allowing him to guide us. He's promising to guide you. He will guide you as you search and seek after him. We also need to have relational priorities. Uh, one of the things I, I've realized is there are other people that can do my job, but there's no other person that can be my wife's husband. There's no other person that can be my kid's father. There's no other person that can be my parent's son, except for my brother. 
but there's no other person that can be my brother's brother. See, these relationships, I am the only one. Who are the people in your life that have gotten out of your priority? Have you allowed accomplishment to get in the way of these beautiful people that God has brought into your life, these family members, these friends that count on you, that look to you? See, prioritizing the people that God has brought into our circle, these roommates, these family members, these friends, allows us to begin to say no to the crowd. There's also physical priorities. In this category, I include work, projects, accomplishments. And it's important to start with the end in mind or you'll never get there. See, with God, you can dream. You and I can, can take risks and be courageous. So dreaming with God and setting priorities, but then we need to have a plan, which is wise. Planning. See, most people have a, a dream, but not everyone has a plan. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. had a God-sized dream. I hope you know the I have a dream speech about a just and fair society for all races and ethnicities. But Dr. King also had a plan. I don't know if you've seen this quote. I found it fascinating. He once said, when evil men plot, good men must plan. See, and Dr. King did plan. He planned marches and petitioned congressmen. He spoke out against racism. He organized grassroots movement with vision and value of nonviolence and equipping, so much so that thousands would literally lay down their lives working together. It's fascinating. If you haven't heard the I Have a Dream speech in a while, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. And you will be amazed at how far we came through that season, and you'll be inspired with how much further we have to go. But we dream, and then we plan. Benjamin Franklin is attributed as the one who said this, failing to plan is planning to fail. Now, why is that true? Well, it's because busyness, worry, fear, stress, all these are enemies of our productivity. But when we plan combined with trusting God, we can accomplish much. Listen to these passages. Proverbs 16, a person who plans his way. A person plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Or Ephesians 5, so then, be careful how you live. Do not be unwise, but wise, making the best use of your time, because the times are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Or Proverbs 24, do your planning and prepare your fields before building your house. When I graduated from college, I had eight paying jobs over the course of the next 12 months. Now, some of that was moving around and getting married, and, but one of those jobs was construction. And I learned that you have to plan before you build a house. You don't just turn the water on and then connect the tubes later. Or maybe those are hoses. I don't even know. I wasn't good at that job. <laughs> but if you plan in order to build a house, why don't we plan to build our future? Why don't we take what God wants to do in our life as seriously as some of the projects that we have in our life? Can you imagine building a house without a plan? Some of us are building our future without connecting with God and his plan for our lives. See, the first step of planning is goal setting. It's not about having too many goals. It's more like one goal per category, spiritual, relational, physical. All right, so we tried this experiment. We're gonna do it in this service. We did it in the 930 service. But I need a really competitive person. Do I have a competitive person in here? You gotta be the first to raise your hand. Who's a competitive person? All right, we got it. Jen, come, come up. Jen's coming up. Give her a hand. Well, actually, you're gonna stand right here. 
This is a dangerous stunt. You know what? Maybe we'll try it up here. We'll try it up here. All right. Uh, you have insurance, right? All right. So come stand over here. Uh, you're going to stand right here behind this line. Okay? And you're going to jump as far as you can that way. You should probably take your shoes off. Yes. All right. Now, it's a broad jump. You're not going to run and jump. You're just going to stand still and jump as far as you can. All right, let's give it up for Jen. Okay, you ready? Okay, here you go. When you're ready. Good job. Give her a hand. Give her a hand. All right, right here. So, Jen, that was awesome. But I want to see if you can go this far. Do you think she can make it this far? They think you can. All right, same thing, can't run. Let's see if you can make it a little further. Ready? Here you go, give her a hand, give her a hand. Good job, good job, give her a hand, good job. Good job. And no injuries. By the way, she did get further, did you notice that? She got further, we have video proof right here. It'll be online soon. Thank you so much, Jen, welcome back. Give her a hand. So here's the thing about stretch goals. When you make a goal just beyond what you think you can do, you'll be amazed at how far you get. You may not get all the way there, but you'll get further than you were before. It, it, well, there's a fascinating story. After World War II, Japan was trying to rebuild. And their Ministry of Transportation head had this idea. If we could connect Tokyo and Osaka better, we can actually recover quicker because those are our two biggest cities and, and it is this mountain range in between and 300 miles or so. And it was very difficult to communicate or to bring supplies between the two cities. And so he, he made a goal that we could create railways that would move faster and the engineers took him up on the goal and they came up with a, a railway, a train that could go 65 miles per hour. That was the fastest anywhere on the planet. But he said, that's not fast enough. He said, it, it, it needs to be more like 120 miles per hour. And they were thinking, well, that's impossible. It'll derail as it comes around corners through the mountain pass. And, and he said, I, I don't care. You've got to think outside of the box. I want you to come up with a railway, a train that can go 120 miles per hour. And so they came up with a new plan, a straight line through the mountain. See, some of us have a mountain in front of us that has just continued to haunt us and we cannot imagine getting through. But you know what? Rather than the windy road, God has something better for you. See, we're stuck in an old paradigm. We're haunted by the past. What's remarkable is they invented a train that not only went 120 miles per hour, the fastest in the planet, they've since gotten to speeds of 360 miles per hour. And they recovered after World War II in large part because they were able to connect these two cities in ways that were never thought possible. What is it that God wants to stretch you to trust him for? What paradigms do you need to look past to see things differently? See, we see the future based on our past and God is saying, I have things for you beyond what you could ever ask or imagine. The human spirit has the ability to achieve so much more when we trust God. What's the stretch goal that God wants you to set? Something not quite impossible, but not quite realistic. Something in between. 
Now, years ago, when I was in college, my roommates and I came up with our list of things we wanted to accomplish in life. And I remember writing on that list, I wanted to publish a book. Now, at the time, I was actually working on a book. So I thought, you know, I'll just knock this out in six months. And six months go by after college, and not one publisher was interested in this book. And so I kind of put that on the shelf, and several years later, I was at a church in Los Angeles, and it's called Mosaic, and I had several people coming up to me, because our pastor, Erwin McManus, had written several books. Several people came to me and asking me if I had any book ideas. And I said, yes, I do, and I dusted off my college idea, and no one was interested. And then they said, well, do you have any other ideas? And I gave them another idea, an idea called A Fruitful Life. And once again, not one publisher was interested. Well, in 2005, Irwin, knowing this dream that I felt God had placed on my heart, encouraged me. He said, Eric, you know what you should do? You should write a book on creating a diverse community. This is rare in our world. Why don't you write that book? And I would love the idea, but my kids were seven and four, I was working on my doctorate of ministry. I was the executive pastor at Mosaic. Like, it was a super busy time, and I was speaking every Sunday at 11 a.m. at one of our campuses at Mosaic. And I just couldn't imagine how could I get, get this done in the midst of all that. And so I, I began to kind of ask God, God, is this something you want me to do? I began to try to prioritize. I began to set, set little incremental goals. Just write this chapter. Just write this introduction this week. And in the midst of all of that, I went to this conference, and there were all these publishers. They, had, they were sponsoring the event. And so I had this book proposal, this Creating a Diverse Community book proposal, and I went to every single publisher there, and all of them said the same thing. We don't take unsolicited manuscripts. And I kept thinking, well, how do you get unpublished people to publish? How do you solicit and I kept going to one after another, and no one would say it. Well, there was one intern there that must not have known that rule <laughs> because she took my book proposal, and she sent it to her colleague who also had been living in Michigan, but unbeknownst to her, was now living in Los Angeles. And this editor received a, a manuscript, a book proposal from me, the same guy that she was listening to every Sunday at Mosaic for the last several months. It just so happened she was in our church for literally that time frame. I signed a book deal with her, and then two weeks later, she moved back to Michigan. And now, 10 years later, we're re-releasing this book at Book People on January 23rd at 7 o'clock. Isn't that crazy? Now, you're all welcome to come at Book People. Order the, the Charlie Brown latte. It's fantastic there at Book People. But I want you to hear, not the end of the story, but... The years at the beginning. When God places something on your heart, if it's something he wants you to accomplish, we can trust him in his timing. We can trust him in the process. But we have to make, along the way, SMART goals. We don't have time to go into this. Let me just walk you through just what that stands for. SMART goals are specific, measurable, action-oriented, realistic, and time-bound. It's this idea of making a little bit of progress every day and then you'll be amazed at how far you'll get. Well, not only is there priorities and plannings, there's also people. Proverbs 15 says, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. See, that's why community is so important. There are people that God has 
placed around you that want to be an encouragement to you. See, we need self-discipline to get things done, and sometimes we need to borrow that discipline from the people in our life that care about us, that can help us along the way. And some of us have to be honest about where we're at. This idea of dreaming and accomplishing just seems so far away, because right now you're just trying to survive. Maybe that could be your goal this year. My goal is to survive. My goal is to reconnect my heart to God's heart so that I might find healing so that I can dream again. Proverbs 15, those who disregard discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. Priorities, planning, people leads to perspective. See, we don't try to achieve in order to prove our worth. It's because we're worth everything to God that we out of gratitude, seek to accomplish what he's placed in our heart. You have enough time to accomplish that all God has intended for your life. Stop worrying. Instead, seek after God. Listen to Jesus' heart for you and me. He says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The world needs you and me at our best. Your friends, your family needs you at your best. That we might find healing and bring that healing to others. That we might experience the love of God and bring that love to others. And so what I want us to do is I want us to acknowledge in the midst of this moment and even during this next song that that God is most concerned with a relationship with you. We find God in the waiting, in the journey. What is it that God is asking you to sacrifice? What is it that God is asking you to focus on? How is he wanting you to be intentional? How is he wanting you to trust him?